0: Hello, my fellow Meisters, and welcome to another episode of Bavarian Podcast Works. We have finally won the league uh, after a very long and tiresome campaign. For the first time, I believe since 2009, the Bundesliga season ran until the final day. And at the end of that race, Bayern Munich was standing on top of the podium. I'm joined, as always, by my... Colleague and my brother in arms for this project, Chuck Smith. Chuck, how was your weekend outside of Bayern winning the league?
1: It was the uh, typical busy weekend uh, for me, hauling my kids around to various games and practices. So it was a it was a big weekend for us. So my my 12 year old her soccer team won their state cup in Pennsylvania. So we're pretty excited about that and. The big prize for that is now we get to spend uh, about a week in West Virginia at the end of June and the beginning of July. So there goes my vacation.
0: But that sounds like a lot of fun and congratulations to your daughter on that. I went up to Maine this weekend. We have a brand new four-month-old puppy that we've had for the last four weeks. She's a chocolate lab named Maggie and we taught her how to play in the waves. Uh, She didn't much like the cold. Uh, If you've ever been up to Maine in the summertime, you know that the warmest that water will ever get is 52 degrees. But uh, moving aside from that, there was a great match this weekend. So Chuck, are you ready to uh, get into the football? Yeah, let's do it. Alrighty. So this is our final Bundesliga segment of after 90 minutes for this season a 5-1 thrashing of Eintracht Frankfurt from beginning to end it was all Bayern Munich and after the third goal everyone just kind of treated it like this was going to be a wonderful and beautiful send-off let's start off with goal number four I guess for Bayern Uh, Franck Ribéry scored this wonderful, this just absolute, beautiful dime, 10 out of 10 of a goal, slicing through the Eintracht Frankfurt defense like it was hot butter, and then putting a ball calmly and very carefully over the head of Kevin Trapp to make it 4-1, and then the fifth goal slot across for the left-footed man himself, Arian Robin made it 5-1. Bayern Munich won the league uh, over Borussia Dortmund, who I believe also won their game, but it did not matter. The points difference was enough to see Bayern Munich raise their 28th Meister Schala and the 7th in a row. Chuck, what did you think of the match?
1: Well, like you said, Jake, it was a thoroughly dominant performance by Bayern from beginning to end. Even when Eintracht Frankfurt... You know, rallied to tie the game there with the goal from Sebastian Haller. I, I never once felt like Bayern was under any threat. And, and a lot of what we talked about last week about how weary and tired Eintracht Frankfurt would be, I think that really came to fruition. That was not the same team that we saw that have such great performances in the first half of the season and even early in the second half. They just lacked that fire and just all around tenacity they we keep saying it but they just looked really tired and byron was there to take them down and and did exactly what they needed to do to to clinch that seventh consecutive title
0: and do you think that the uh disappointment from being knocked out of the europa league not only did that tire them do you think that that also really just took their wind out of their sails
1: I do. And, and you know, coming into the game, you know, we saw that Eintracht Frankfurt still had a lot to play for. They had a chance to still clinch a Champions League spot. And they also had the opportunity to completely fall out of European competition um, altogether. And the fact that they couldn't muster up enough fire, they couldn't muster up enough desire to really give Bayern a good fight tells you that they were just worn out. And I do think that 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 loss to Chelsea and the way that it happened in penalty kicks, I just think that that was the end of their season mentally. And, and, you know, that's a tough spot for such a young team with such good talent. It was really demoralizing to go out that way. And I think, you know, anybody that's seen them, they know that that's not the true Eintracht Frankfurt that we saw on Saturday. But big credit to Bayern, who just came out and completely and thoroughly
0: dominated the competition. And unfortunately, Eintracht Frankfurt does miss out on automatic qualification for European competition. By one point, they were tied on goal difference with Wolfsburg, but they just missed that one point. Wolfsburg and Mönchengladbach move on to play in the Europa League. Yeah,
1: and Frankfurt will have the opportunity to work through the qualifiers for the Europa League, but... Like, that's going to be a long road for them. Uh, finishing in seventh place is not where they wanted to be. But, you know, that team has talent. It'll be interesting to see how much of that talent they can retain over the next three months. But, um, you know, I, I really like the job that Adi Hooter came in and did, filling in for Nico Kovac. And, and, you know, the way he was able to get that team in a great spot heading into this final month was was excellent. But they just kind of fell apart and let the wheels come off.
0: I can go ahead and name one piece that they're definitely not going to have for that (laughs) (laughs) next campaign. Poor, poor Eintracht Frankfurt missing out on Luka Jovic. But I think Jovic wasn't even theirs to begin with. Isn't he like a loanee from Benfica or something like that?
1: He was. He was a Benfica loanee, but uh, Eintracht had just purchased him, and it looks like they're going to uh, flip Jovic there to Real Madrid. It's just a matter of now. I guess, working out those final dollars. If you read the reports out of Spain, uh, it's a done deal, but we haven't seen anything official as of yet.
0: I think if you just generally looked at the scoreline from this match, it did not seem like... If you had watched Bayern Munich all the way up until everything started to collapse in October and you said to yourself, you know what, I'm never going to watch Bayern ever again, until the final day if i told you that the five goal scorers were Kingsley Coleman David Alaba Renato Sanchez Frank Ribery and Arian Robin i'm pretty sure that you would call me absolutely insane but this just looked like a, with the exception of Alaba and Coleman uh those three Sanchez Ribery and Robin they all had really big struggles throughout this season and uh I think all three like it's not confirmed, but I'm pretty sure the club will probably sell or at least loan out Renato Sanchez this summer. Uh, All three of those were able to finish off their uh, campaigns with Bayern on a high note, which I think is good for them. Speaking more towards uh, Sanchez, uh, he was a player that most Bayern Munich fans thought was going to come back and really just take off this season and he didn't really contribute much if anything granted it didn't help that he had an absolute log jam in front of him in central midfield and especially with the james rodriguez situation taking the entire course of the year he scores on the final day uh chuck do you think it's time to sell renato sanchez and i guess what do you think his legacy at the club is going to be yeah, I, I think that Sanchez is, is on his
1: way out. Um, I think when he looks back at his tenure at Bayern, he'll probably kick himself. Um, he came in, and like you said, Jake, he had a very tough situation. The midfield has been extremely talented and crowded since he's been here. Technically, he's not as gifted as many of his teammates. And while he does have what appears to be a great desire and a good physical presence on the field. You know, we heard a lot of whispers about his maturity, especially when he was on loan at Swansea. And and, and you have to wonder how much of the situation affected the way he approached practice and approached games, um, knowing that he wasn't going to be a regular in the lineup. Did he lose some of that desire, some of that focus in training? And I think what's best for him and what's best for Byron is they part ways. But what he can take out of this is, If anything, he learned how to be a professional at Bayern. He learned what not to do. Um, Being surrounded by players like Javi Martinez, by Thiago Alcantara, he saw the level he needed to be at. And if he thinks he's at that level now, he's only lying to himself. The great part about his experience is being able to be with those players day in and day out and absorb what they did. And if he... takes anything out of it it's hopefully that and hopefully he can translate that into some success as his career goes on but right now he's not a fit at Bayern Munich even next year he's just not at the level as those other midfielders well you
0: would hope that he took that away but uh, I think the only way that he probably would be able to truly digest all of that wisdom from the older players is by taking a look at some of the really dumb stuff that he did this season, like for example, complaining about not getting any playing time right after a big win.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, his, he's he's had maturity issues and he hasn't made the best decisions on or off the field with his approach to the game. I've never been one that's been in his corner. I, I, when he came, I was very open minded. Uh, You know, I wanted to see what this great talent was, and it never translated onto the pitch for Bayern. He always kind of looked like he was doing his own thing. He always looked like he was forcing plays, and he just wasn't as calm or as composed as many of his teammates were. And I think that, you know, when you look at just his performance in games this season, he did make some progress, but it just goes to show how much behind he is compared to players like Leon Goretzka or even Quentin Taliso who missed, you know, the majority of this season. I just can't see any way he would break into the lineup here, and I think that it's just it's time. He's got to move on. He's got to find a place where he can be on the field every game and he can start to develop some of his skills and maybe even start to become a little bit more of a veteran presence and a leader. He's still young, but you know, he's just spent this is his what, third year with Bayern. And, you know, it's it's time. He's got to show some kind of maturity within his game.
0: Now, we're not going to do a Der Ausblick segment because we just played Leipzig two weeks ago, and I think to go ahead and do the exact same thing would be ridiculous. Uh, but Leipzig finished third. They were 10 points off of Borussia Dortmund. Uh You can read off the names, the Lucas Klosterman, Yusuf Poulsen, Emil Forsberg, Timo Werner, the youngsters like Willy Orban. So we'll do just a really quick preview of this Saturday's Deutscher Pokal final at the Olympiastadion in Berlin. It's a new, it's a different competition, but um, Bayern have been... Uh, pretty dominant in it with the exception of one little slip up in a weird 5 4 game against Heidenheim. But, uh, Chuck, what do you think are Bayern's odds for the game? And I guess uh, give us your quick prediction at the end of that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Bayern has to be the clear favorite in this game. It, and it's not a knock on RB Leipzig at this point. Uh, Leipzig is at that stage of the season where it's now looking at its roster. There are some players that are going to be leaving. Um, you know, Julian Nagelsmann is coming in. He'll be taking over. And there's probably some uncertainty with some of the players as to where they're going to fit in um, under his guidance. So, um, you know, this is a game where the experience of Byron should really take over. This should be about a three-to-one victory. I know everybody rips me for always picking three-to-one, but that's, that's Yet another
0: three-one <laughs> pick from Chuck Smith. What a shocker there. Yeah, it's legitimately
1: how I feel about this one, but you know, I, I look at it, and the biggest key for me will be how Niko Kovac uh, maintains the focus of Byron. When you watched them against Eintracht Frankfurt, there was... Uh, just a sharpness to their game from the outset and, and a true tenacity to the way they played. And if they can do that, this game won't even be a contest. If they lose focus like they did last year at this time under Jupp Heynckes, it could be a long day. I, I don't anticipate Byron will have any of those setbacks. It just looks like at this stage, they are hungry and ready to get that domestic double.
0: Last time Leipzig and Munich played two weeks ago, my prediction was that it was going to be a 1-1 draw. It became a 0-0 draw. And I think that was mostly because Bayern Munich was still in the throes of the league and they had the pressure on them to win the league then and there. Uh, this is an entirely different kind of pressure. Cup final pressures completely different from, oh, we have one more chance the week after. This is all or nothing. And I don't think this is really a level of pressure that RB Leipzig has ever faced before. This is a core group, right, even within the big three of, uh, of Leipzig, Werner, Poulsen, and Forsberg. This is something that they've never really dealt with before as the three of them. And it's not really something that Leipzig has dealt with in general. And keeping in mind again that outside of those three, and Kevin Kampel and Lucas Klosterman, a lot of the players on this team, are young and don't have a lot of cup experience. And I really think that that is going to be the reason why Bayern Munich wins this match. I think Bayern is going to come in. They are going to show the maturity that comes with this squad. And I think it might actually be a rare case where the age of this squad actually is a benefit for them than a negative side for them. It doesn't mean I don't think it will be close. I think the final score will be 2-1, to one, but I think that Bayern will go ahead. They will take advantage of this game. I think that Leipzig will probably tie the game in around the 50th to the 55th minute, but Bayern will still be dominant throughout the entire time. 70th minute goal from let's call it Lewandowski and then they just dribble out the clock and Bayern wins the double yet again that's my prediction
1: it's not a bad one Jake I think you're uh you're, you're some sound reasoning there for sure
0: Alrighty, we are going to go ahead and Take a break right now and like I said, there will be no Dare Ousblick this week. When we come back, we will go to our segment Ask BPW and take a look at some of your questions. We'll be right back after this message. And we're back. Now we go to our segment, Ask BPW, where we answer all of your important questions that you have put to us over Twitter using the hashtag Ask BPW. Be sure to submit your questions for the podcast that we will have next week, which will be our last episode of the 2018-2019 season. So the first question is a two-parter from two tweets. Uh, The first is from woodinator one With the emergence of the Leroy Sané rumors, do Pepe and Callum Hudson-Odoi drop to second choice because Sané is German pacey and proven in big matches? and then the second one also concerns Sané it's from at Bdub Smitty how much would you be willing to pay to get Leroy Sané from Manchester City so I'll start really quickly um I would probably say just given Bayern Munich's previous transfer policy on being big on German talent I would say at first yes but after really considering it sane is young which is good which is something that bayern munich needs but he also kind of has a little bit of an ego though i will say that out of any uh out of any squad out there i would want someone who played under a man who generally understands what Bayern Munich does and has kind of imposed that on his own players. And that's basically what Pep Guardiola is really trying to do at Manchester City. So I think Sané would easily fit in at Bayern Munich. And if anything, it would definitely help him with his prospects for the national team. I don't think that would necessarily drop Nicholas Pepe and Callum Hudson-Odoi to second choice because Pepe and Hudson-Odoi are both under the age of 24. So I think that with them both being under that age and being versatile, they are really, really good options. Uh, So I think that that would be foolish if just by adding Leroy Sané they've decided to completely disregard Pepe and Callum Hudson-Odoi. Now in terms of paying uh Honis recently said that he would not want to have any individual transfer be over 80 million. So I think Manchester City is really going to push that envelope and I think that it would be 78 million or even 78.5 million euros um I would personally be willing to pay about that much I would be willing to pay about 70 to 75 for Sané because he's pretty good he shows up in big games and I imagine that Yogi Love would have really loved to have him in the 2018 World Cup instead of getting absolutely humiliated and knocked out um I think it would be a great move. I would love to see Leroy Sané come and wear red. Um, Do I think it's going to happen? Not necessarily. I think out of all of the rumored targets, I think Sané might be Bayern's biggest long shot, not because there's no connection there, but more because Sané is kind of a big name and he's considered to be a good young prospect and Bayern also have a pretty good player on the left in Kingsley Coman so at that point you're basically going to sign Leroy Sané you might also have to start asking the question of whether or not you would keep Kingsley Coman around and I don't know if the board wants to go ahead and make that decision but uh Chuck what do you think
1: yeah I mean I think you make a great point there with uh Come on and what the future holds for him, um, you know. Obviously, you'd have to consider that if you were going to invest in a talent like Sane, you would have to look at the existing roster and see how you could make it all work. Uh, when it comes down to it, when I look at those three talents mentioned—Sane, Hudson, Odoi, and and uh, Nicholas Pepe—right I, I, off the bat, I I would ax Pepe. I just. I have a feeling he's not as refined as he would need to be to play at a club like Byron. No,
0: but I like uh, Pepe.
1: <laughs> I know. I, and he's a popular player, and I know a lot of people really do like him. Um, but I just I just think that there's probably going to be some growing pains there, and I don't think that Byron is going to be in this patient mode of waiting for players to mature. Uh, when it comes to Hudson Odoi, we had touched on this in the last podcast. He is a great talent. Um, you know, it's a risk with his Achilles injury. Some people never come back from that. You know, at 35 to 40 million, is he a worthwhile investment? Probably, but if I had to pick one of the three, it would definitely be Sane. And looking at a price, I mean, I think that 80 million euro limit is probably about as high as I would go. And I know that there are some figures out there speculating he could go for as much as 100 million. I honestly think he's he's using Bayern a bit um, for leverage against Manchester City, and I know that there definitely is some friction there with Pep Guardiola and how he's used Sane, uh, and obviously with the connections of Pep to Bayern, it makes all of this come together and make sense. But financially, you know, is City willing to, you know, sell a player for 80 million or 70 million that they might be able to sell to, uh, you know, another English club or Juventus? For 100 million. Uh, it's an interesting question, but, you know, in the end, uh, I'm feeling that Sané is going to be back with Manchester City next year and that Byron, uh will come away with uh, none of the three players mentioned. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out and how what Bayern's strategy will be. If they can't land Sané, Odoy, or Pepe.
0: Last week, we asked Federico Chiesa, Pepe, Callum hudson Odoy, or Ante Rebic. And out of those, I said I would go with Nicolas Pepe. If you threw Leroy Sané in there in a heartbeat, I would say Leroy Sané without even having to hesitate or even consult statistics as I'm apt to do. I would just immediately tell you we Mm -hmm. would have to go and get Leroy Sané. But if you don't think we're going to get Sané, then who do you think we're going to get to go ahead and play on that wing?
1: I'm still in the Werner is going to play out wide camp. I think that he's coming to Bayern. I don't even think it's a question anymore. I think it really just boils down to the dollars. And I think that, you know, like I said, I'm one of the people that can envision Timo Werner playing out wide and contributing at, you know, two, three, four positions for Bayern. Um, and I think that's the way they need to go. I think he's a dynamic talent. I think he brings all the pace of someone like Sané. I think he's got great scoring ability, and I think he hasn't been tested or pushed out wide like he should have been at, at Leipzig, and that's because they needed him centrally. So I think that's that's the player I would go after. I've always been a hardcore hashtag Team Timo, hashtag Timo time supporter and I know that I've, I've got a few of us here on, on BFW that are really, you know, leaning that way. And there's also the anti verner crowd. So, but that's my man. That's who I'm going after. That's who I'm going to take into this next phase of Bayern.
0: I like Timo. I just think that after you go ahead and look at how bad he did in the 2018 World Cup out wide that I don't know if I would want to buy him as my sole replacement for Franck Ribbery. I think that he has the ability to be versatile. I'm not denying the fact that he has that capability. I think if anything, if Kovac gets him, I think that would mean that he'd try to start angling for a 3 2 with Muller as a false nine and Werner and Lewandowski up top together. I just really don't see Werner coming in solely to be utilized as a winger. I think that Byron should go ahead and replace Robin and Ribery with you know, people who are going to be wingers full-time.
1: Yeah, that's a legitimate concern. And, and you know, you could even throw in that Kingsley Coman and Serge Gnabry, they're they're injury-prone. I mean, that's just the way it is. Uh, from my perspective, I look at that 2018 World Cup as a complete and utter dumpster fire that Yogi Love it brought upon himself. So for me, I don't judge too many of the players uh, too harshly based on that experience. And, and you, you make some great points. I mean... 're I'm making a grand assumption that Werner's going to be able to step in and contribute out wide right away without any learning curve. It's It's something that, you know, I'm giving him the eye test, something I've seen in his game. And if you're gonna sit here and argue with me and give me counterpoints, I would respect everything you would say because I'm going off just something that I've seen. I can't even quantify it other than I've seen him play and I think he can make that adjustment. And I think that when he's surrounded by other great players, it will only bring out more of his game. Um, But you're right, Jake. I mean, if you're looking for a true winger, someone that's going to specialize and play the type of, of style at wing that, you know, Ribery and Robin have played, Werner's probably not your guy. And, and I couldn't argue and tell you that he would be. But I just love his versatility. I love his pace. I love his nose for the goal. And I, I think that he gives Bayern that next step, that bridge, that when Lewandowski eventually starts to wear down or slow down, you know, he makes that transition to the next great striker uh, for Bayern. So, I mean, that's where I am. And I know that many people are going to disagree with that. But that's where I'm at with this whole situation.
0: I think you bring up some good points, but I think that was also a very good place for us to go ahead and move on to our next question, which um, I am actually kind of interested to talk about Uh, at Harris, John 85 asked, is there any hope that Bundesliga TV contracts can catch up with the EPL? Uh, What is the status of the various contracts, particularly, the Fox contract. I'm a broadcast journalism major, so this is something that I can talk about ad nauseum, just generally about style and, I guess, contracts. We don't exactly know every detail of the Fox and Bundesliga contract, but I can just generally make this comment. Is there hope that the Bundesliga TV contracts can catch up? I think no, and I think that it's for This one reason and this one reason only, it's because NBC Sports went ahead of the entire curve of following soccer. Everyone kind of made the realization that, at least in terms of America, soccer really took off in 2014. The Premier League was in the United States with ESPN for a while, and then it switched over to NBC, and they really took it and ran with it. They ran really, really far. They dedicated a lot of their production to coverage of the Premier League, and they've done a phenomenal job at it. Their style is amazing. Their commentators are great, whether you're talking Arlo White or... Or Rebecca Lowe, or Kyle Martino. They're so good at what they do. Now, back in February, I attended a soccer conference at Yale University, where I was able to meet the senior producer for NBC's coverage of the Premier League. Granted, I mainly went because there was a Bayern Munich guy. I also was able to go ahead and talk to this guy who's the senior producer. And I eventually went down to go shadow one day of just being able to sit in the NBC control room and watch them work. They have everything so down that it's clear that they have been practicing this format and this way of broadcasting for years. And it is rarely the case where you can gather an entirely seasoned group of people and have it work as soon as you go ahead and get started on it. Now, I think Fox will be able to improve their coverage, but... I don't think they will ever catch up to the way that NBC does it. I feel the only way that they can really ever catch up with the EPL is if the Premier League decided to take their rights and move it to somewhere else other than NBC. And I think that that would be ridiculous because NBC, not only did they really beat the trend Of soccer in America, they helped to build it by a lot of their campaigns, whether you had Jason Sudeikis as uh, Ted Lasso, the uh, American football coach who becomes the manager at Tottenham for a day. Um, Through funny skits like that, through being able to really just ingrain themselves into the minds of American soccer culture and American soccer fans. By being there early, they were able to really grab that American market. For Bundesliga fans, most people really only follow the Bundesliga because of a couple of reasons. One, they're aware of Bayern Munich. Two, they really started watching after the 2014 World Cup. Three, They were born into it and they have the heritage of it or they'd been following somehow for a while. Rarely ever is it the case where you will take a look at it and will say, oh, yeah, I've just decided to be a Bayern Munich fan out of nowhere because it was very hard to go ahead and watch all those Bundesliga games. And it's a godsend that Fox has that contract But for right now, it's clear that they're behind the EPL because there's a lot of money in the EPL. There's more money in the EPL than there is in the Bundesliga. And that's just obvious by the terms of how many wealthy owners control teams in the EPL. And that's not the case with the Bundesliga. So they're not able to go out and buy every single player. And I think that's another major reason. It's that the EPL is kind of more competitive than the Bundesliga is, right? You've had one team, our team, which has won the last seven in a row, whereas the last team, I believe, to ever repeat for the EPL was Manchester United. And for one of those two campaigns, I think they had Cristiano Ronaldo. So it's been a while since they've had back-to-back. So... I think that oh wait a second no I can't say that because Manchester City just won back-to-back but even still right so Manchester City won back-to-back and the last one before that it was the other club from Manchester all the way back in I think 2009 so it's more competitive and the vast amount of wealth is more evenly distributed among the top teams whereas in the Bundesliga you have one club which is our club which helps its closest rival by offering direct cash injections. You're not going to see that in the EPL, and the EPL teams are going to be able to get the bigger names. So I think just in terms of that, it's hard for the Bundesliga to catch up, and you lose one of your biggest anchors to Bundesliga coverage when Christian Pulisic goes to Chelsea. A lot of the American audience will become Chelsea fans just because the best young American talent goes and switches yellow for blue. And because of that, uh, I imagine it's created some Borussia Dortmund fans, but I don't think all of them are going to stay there when Christian Pulisic finally makes that transfer this summer. And I think that's going to be really hard for Fox to be able to rebound from.
1: Yeah, I mean, when I look at things um I think it's it's near impossible for the coverage at Fox to to catch up with the EPL and it's not a knock on Fox. I actually really enjoy the Fox coverage and it might put me in the minority, but I think they have some some great personalities I think they have some commentators that really know and understand the Bundesliga. I really enjoy, uh, Ian Joy. uh, that was kind of weird saying that, but, um, Keith Costigan. I really do like the coverage they provide. I think that Kate Abdo is by far, hands down, uh, one of the best studio hosts in the game. She does a great job in, in kind of keeping the, the show light and making it very enjoyable. And, and I just really do enjoy their coverage. Um, I don't feel like when I'm watching it that they're straining to throw facts at me or that they're, you know, th- you know, just tossing hot takes my way. I really enjoy the way they analyze the game. I think they keep it low key. They don't get too crazy with things, and it, I find it very enjoyable. But that's the product they put out. But just in terms of popularity and trying to match up revenue, it'll it'll never happen. The EPL in America is a, is a monster that that will never. Uh, be conquered. And as much as the Bundesliga puts out some quality soccer and as many superstars as they do have, that's a losing battle to try and catch up where the Premier League is. It's just not going to happen.
0: So I kind of rambled on that topic for a little too long, but um, that was our segment, Ask BPW. Um, if you want to have your question read out, be sure to tweet at us using the hashtag AskBPW and we might be able to get you on air. We will be back with one more segment after this break. And we're back, and we have just one more thing to cover before we go, and it talks about what it's like to say goodbye. There's an old saying, every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end. Okay, I know I'm quoting Semisonic's closing time, but take one look at Frank Ribery's Goodbye to the Bavarian Faithful and tell me that that song does not ring true. Munich is about to lose three, at least confirmed to have lose three, of its proudest citizens who've each contributed massively to teams in the past. So we would be remiss if we didn't take the time to say goodbye to each of them, starting with the probably least accomplished but nevertheless important, Rafinha. I'll admit I was never the biggest fan of the Brazilian fullback, but over the past few months, I've come to appreciate his efforts. It's not easy to play backup to the greatest right back in the history of the game, and for most of his career, that's exactly what Rafinha did. Philipp Lahm was a -a once-in-a-generation player, and Bayern were lucky to have him, but Rafinha was always there as a somewhat reliable and always more than capable backup. Over the course of 179 appearances, he is always available to help out the squad, and he will finish his time in Munich with six goals and 29 assists. And while his defense was shaky at times, he always made sure to give his best effort. While Bayern has two very capable fullbacks coming in to replace him, he will always have a special place in the heart of Bavarians. Now to Frank Ribery, whose amazing sidewinding goal against Frankfurt was named goal of the Bundesliga season in a fan poll. What can be said about the Frenchman that hasn't already been said? He's one of the greatest French footballers ever, making major contributions to Bayern and Le Bleu. After forming a deadly attacking tandem with another player we're about to talk about, he's won more Bundesliga titles than any other player and has contributed to 22 trophies for Droten, making him one of the most decorated players in the club's history. While his production has dropped with his age, his 124 goals will put him 11th for the club all-time, and his 182 assists are equally impressive across his 424 appearances in the color red. Finally, the man who made it okay for German football fans to like a Dutchman, Iron Robin. The robbery tandem was always a deadly partnership. But this one man, a man so synonymous with cutting in from the right and curling in a left-footed shot, stood above everyone else. Of his 144 goals over 308 appearances, the most important is clearly the goal, giving Bayern Munich the Champions League title in 2013. Along with that, his 18 other contributions to Bayern's silverware cabinet see him just one Bundesliga title behind Ribery for the most all-time. But that's what you get for playing on Real. In addition to his success in Munich, Robin has helped Holland to the World Cup final in 2010 and watched with a third place medal as Germany won in 2014. Robin has always been one of my favorite players on this team, and I'll be sad to see him go. But as Rick said in Casablanca, we'll always have Wembley. So as these three legends leave the Allianz Arena for a final time, a reminder to Bayern fans don't cry because it's over, smile because it happened. So that was before we go, Chuck, go ahead and give your obituary on these three careers for the Bavarians. The floor is yours.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I when you, when you look at the three players as they step away, um, I think that we'd all be wise just to take a step back and just appreciate what they've done in their time here. And like you said, uh, you really can't replace these types of players and what they've meant to the club as a whole. Uh, it's kind of funny to look at a substitute like Rafinha, who never was an established starter, really, and and to say you know what kind of impact he had. But you know when you whenever there was a shot toward the sideline, there was always Rafinha talking to someone on the bench, or or offering encouragement, or the first to celebrate it's not that always about, you know, who has been the top performer on the pitch. Uh, but when you do transition to who has been the top performer on the pitch, it would be very hard, you know, over the last, what, decade, to say that you know, Arian Robin and Frank Ribéry have not been among the best at what they do, not just in, in the Bundesliga, but, but anywhere. I mean, that was a lethal winger tandem. And I think they really helped define a style of play that you could just admire and have fun watching the tenacity the speed and and honestly the arrogance that they both played with to 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 take a to take the field and to think that you are the greatest player on that field like those two did and to actually back it up to watch that happen that was awesome you don't see many players that that have that mentality and can actually back it up like that. And when you look at those two, I think you really just have to, like I said, sit back, appreciate it. You know, it hasn't always been rosy. They've had some ups and downs, blow-ups with coaches, disagreements with teammates. But in the end, as a fan, it has to be your pleasure to have watched them play. And and Jake, I think you did a great job at kind of looking back at their careers and summing it up and, and talking about really like the highlights and what they've done and just the impact that they've had at Byron.
0: Well, thank you, Chuck. So to Rafinha and Robin and Ribery, three R's. Thanks for the memories. We will always appreciate you. Thank you for your time and your contributions to this phenomenal club. We will always be in your debt. So with that, we end the seventh episode of this podcast. We have one more episode to make, which will recap the final results of the Deutscher Pokal and also generally take a look at the Bundesliga season as a whole for Bayern Munich and see what we thought of it. So with that being said, if you want to contact us be sure to follow the blog on twitter at Bavarian FB works you can follow me on twitter at Jefferson Fenner Chuck where can they find you
1: you can get me at the barrel blog and you can read me every day at Bavarian football works please come and drop some comments in don't be afraid when we when we give the post with this podcast to drop us some comments Jake and I are always willing to interact with the listeners and our readers and we really do enjoy it
0: and we do read every comment. I actually love looking through at all of your comments and it's the one thing that I kind of look forward to whenever I write the blog posts for these for these podcasts. I really look forward to seeing what everybody thinks of the things we talked about whether it was good or whether it was bad. And outside of these podcast posts, you can find other great German and Bavarian soccer content at BavarianFootballWorks.com. From all of us here at the website and the podcast team, thank you very much for listening. Be sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts and be sure to subscribe to us, follow us, listen to us, and download our podcasts from wherever you can get your quality audio content. Thank you very much. And until next week for our final episode, I'll feed